Good morning, afternoon, or evening to anyone out there listening right now. This is the third episode of Colin's Countdown, and yeah, I know all you diehard fans out there, you missed last week's episode. I had some personal things going on, so I wasn't able to get one done. But here we are, and you know, it's been a crazy past two weeks, because you know, I didn't do one last week. Past two weeks in sports, um, five of these things made it on the list this week. Um, One of them did come from a couple weeks ago I would have included it in last week's episode and I feel like it's very important that we talk about it today on this episode for this week so you know I'm always so appreciative of anyone listening and I thank you so much for tuning in and hope you enjoy this week's episode episode three of Colin's Countdowns. Coming in at number five this week, this is the one story that would have definitely been number one last week, um, and it probably could be higher on this list today, but because it's a couple weeks old and because, frankly, I don't want to spend that much time talking about it, I think we've all heard enough about it over the past two weeks, is the Chicago Blackhawks and the investigation into them regarding former prospect Kyle Beach and his sexual assault allegations. Um, I'm going to keep this one quick. I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on it. We've heard a lot about it. I've voiced my opinions on it um, on Trainwreck Sports and through Crossing Swords and Two Goalies, One Mike. Um, yeah, it's a tough situation. It's a brutal situation. And there's no place for that in hockey. There's no place for that in sports in general. And there's no place for that in this world. Um Cal Beach had his hockey career uh, pretty much derailed, his NHL career derailed because his team, his teammates, the guys he should look at as a family, um, those members of the organization, the coaches. You know, I look up to my coaches, even still today, the coaches I had in middle school and high school, uh, I looked up to them. They were my mentors, and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that today even – I'm still in contact with them. I consider them my friends and even some of them my family. And for him to go through that and not be able to have that trust and, you know, closeness, I should say, I guess I could say, with, with his coaches and that he couldn't come out and tell them what happened and he couldn't trust his teammates. And, you know, teammates are going at him in the locker room for all the things that happened between him and um, a member of the organization. It just hurts, you know, obviously it hurts him, but, you know, even as an outsider looking in, that we had no idea that this was going on, like, people need to step up, leaders need to be leaders and take control of a situation, and, you know, it shouldn't take 11 years for something like this to come out, and, you know, that's putting no blame at all on Kyle Beach, um, you know, I've, I'm grateful enough to be able to say that I've never had anything like that happen to me and I I honestly have no idea how he's feeling or what he's feeling over these past 11 years and I know based on what I've read and what I've seen about other athletes and other people in general in the past that coming out and accusing someone and 
bringing truth forward when it has scarred you for life is such a difficult thing to do. So there's no blame on him at all for this, for this coming out 11 years after it happened. But the leaders in that locker room, the players, the staff, the leadership, it failed Kyle Beach. And for the fact that it took 11 years for this to come out, and that we're still seeing even today that people aren't taking it seriously and the NHL isn't taking it seriously. They're not doing their due diligence, I guess I could say, into looking into this and administering the pop- proper punishments. It it hurts me. It hurts. It, it should hurt you. And as a person, not even as a fan of a, of a sport that we love to watch and get involved with but just as a person it should hurt you it should it does hurt me because there's no place for that in anything in this world at all I don't even care we're beyond the the point of oh he's just a hockey player he should be able to deal with these kind of things Kyle Beach is a human too he has emotions things affect him the same way that they affect us regardless of his status or his skill level or who what he gets paid to do He's a human being first and foremost and the fact that it took 11 years for this to come out, the fact that it's still today is the NHL doesn't know, seem to know what they're doing in regards to it. Um, it sucks and today the NHLPA, they voted on it or yesterday they voted on that they're going to conduct an investigation into the allegations and into the, ho- the, the leagues, how they handled the Kyle Beach matter, um, the NHLPA voted to do their own imp- independent investigation. And, you know, I commend them for that. Finally, somebody or some people are stepping up and saying, hey, this was wrong. We need to do more research into this and see what actually happened and administer the proper punishment for it because clearly the NHL didn't do that. Um, so yeah, I kept this one short, didn't want to really talk about it that much, it's, it's a heartbreaking story, um, Kyle Beach is a, is a hero, uh, to be able to come out and, you know, tell his story, I can only imagine how difficult that must have been for him, how difficult these past 11 years have been for him, but I commend him, and, you know, I, I say thank you to him for, being the one that steps up because other people will look up to him and say, oh, if he did this, I can do this too. So kept it quick, kept it short. That was number five of Cohen's Countdowns, the Kyle Beach story involving the Chicago Blackhawks. All right, numbers four, three, and two are... A lot less uh, heartbreaking. Uh, they're fun stories, and especially number two. You know, as when we'll get to it, you'll realize like it's it's a huge thing, and it's something that deserves to be talked about. But we're not there yet. We're at number four. And number four on this week's episode of Collins Countdowns is the college football playoff rankings that came out um, a few days ago on. November 2nd. I'm recording this episode November 5th, so this came out three days ago. Uh, tomorrow is November 6th, Saturday in college football. And the college football playoff came out. 
and you know, there's been some controversy. People are going back and forth on whether or not so and so should be in the top four. But I, I think they got it right. I think the selection committee got it right. Georgia is the clear cut number one. Bama, you know, even though they have that one loss, doesn't look good for them. They're number two. And I think they should be in this top four. Michigan State, they just had a huge win over Michigan. They deserve to be number three. And then Oregon, they're probably the best defensive player in the country. And they are steamrolling teams. And they deserve to be in that number four spot. The, the one the one bit of controversy that comes out of this is Cincinnati. Because they are undefeated. And... They got bumped from the top four all the way to number six. And yeah, they they had a, some trouble with, with Navy. They had some trouble with Tulane. Their big win this season really is only over Notre Dame. They beat Indiana, but now that's not look, starting to look like a great win. The only win was over Notre Dame by 11 back in the beginning of October. And this week they play Tulsa, then they play South Florida, then they play SMU, who is seven and one. Then they play East Carolina. But yeah, they have a weaker schedule and they've won games. And do they deserve to be in the top ten? Yes, they do. Top four? Top they're in the top six. Do they deserve to be in the top five? I do not think so. Like, come on. You put Alabama up against Cincinnati. I don't care that Alabama has that one loss. I really don't. And I get that Cincinnati is undefeated, but we can't start looking at these. We can't keep looking at these rankings as as a who has more wins or who has more losses, because Alabama is definitely a better team than Cincinnati. And you know, I say that, and I don't know how it would look if the two squared off. We don't know that anything can happen. You know the old saying, any given Sunday, in this college football sense, any given Saturday, anything can happen. But Cincinnati just, I feel like, wouldn't be able to match up with the firepower of Alabama. Alabama brings in the top recruits for every position every year, and they're a darn good football team. And I just don't think Cincinnati has has the firepower to, to match up with Bama, or even Michigan State. Michigan State just proved that they are a top team in college football this year. After they came back, beat Michigan, and I mean it was only by four points, but Michigan was ranked pretty high at the time. I mean now Michigan drops to number seven. They're still in the running because Michigan is a good football team. It shouldn't come down to who wins, who loses. That's why I hate rankings like that because you can, I mean, yeah, Alabama lost to Texas A&M, who is ranked number 14th, by the way, in, this, in the college football's playoff rankings. So that's a, that's a tough loss for them, but it is one against a very good team. And, you know, it should go by power rankings or you want to put them in tiers. It shouldn't just go based on record and, you know, it, I think the selection committee did a good job in not basing this on records because, like I said, Bama's a good football team, and I think they're a better football team than Cincinnati, and they deserve to be ranked higher. Same with Michigan State. Kenneth Walker the third. he's probably 
one of, if not the best running back in college football. 197 yards and five touchdowns against Michigan State, and probably in the biggest game of of the season for them thus far. They deserve to be ranked number three. Obviously, Georgia, they probably have one of the best defenses ever in college football. They're going up against an SEC foe, an SEC team in Missouri, and they're favored by 40. Like, come on. Yeah, they deserve to be there. Ohio State coming in at 5. You know, I'm okay with that because I think Oregon deserves to be 4. Ohio State, 7-1 and one on the year. And they're pretty good. They Their one loss was to Oregon. So Oregon does deserve to be above Ohio State because they proved that they beat them. Oregon goes into this game 7-1. and one. Their one loss to Stanford in overtime. It is a bad loss. But they'd be in Colorado. They'd be in UCLA. They'd be in Cal. They'd be in Arizona. Fresno State. That looks like a better win now. They beat them by a touchdown. They, Fresno State's 23rd in the rankings now. And of course, that big win by a touchdown over Ohio State. They deserve to be there. They deserve to be there. I think Oregon's win over Ohio State cancels out and adds even more to their their game, their record, than the loss to Stanford. More than Cincinnati's undefeated record, even though they beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame was their only big win, and now, I mean, Notre Dame's 10. Ohio State's 5. Oregon beat a better team. I think Oregon is a better team than Cincinnati. And again, I'm not saying any hate towards Cincinnati. They, you can't con- in college football. You kind of can, but you don't really control who's on your schedule. You have to go out there and win the games that are that are set for you. And they've done that. And they deserve to be in the top six. Do they deserve to be in the top four? Right now, no. My opinion on that, my answer to that question is no. But we'll see what happens as the rest of the season goes along. And you know, we got a f- handful of weeks left. Can Cincinnati beat the odds, go undefeated? If they go undefeated, do they deserve to be in that top four, in that top five? Maybe. Maybe. Let's take another look at their schedule. All right, I already said it. Favored by 23 against Tulsa this week, and they play South Florida, SMU, East Carolina. The SMU game could be interesting. SMU could go into that game. 9-1 9-1 and one, with Cincinnati being 10-0. and 0. So that'll be an interesting game. Probably a tough test for Cincinnati. And, you know, they probably have the weakest schedule out of the rest of the teams in that, t- ahead of them in that top five. Georgia, they're playing the SEC, a lot tougher conference than Cincinnati's. They got to play Tennessee, still Missouri, Charleston, Southern, Georgia Tech. Okay, maybe not Georgia, but Georgia's probably going undefeated. They have a really great defense. Let's take a look at Ohio State's schedule because they need to pass Ohio State and Oregon. I don't think Michigan State's going anywhere. I really don't. So, yeah. Oregon plays in the Pac 12. They got Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, and Washington. All the Pac-12 teams. So not really a tough schedule. Ohio State plays in a in a tougher conference. They got Nebraska this week. Purdue. And then Michigan State. And then Michigan. Ohio State could get bounced. And Michigan State could get bounced. Who knows? 
I mean, that Michigan State-Ohio State game is probably going to determine who gets into the college football playoff and who doesn't. So we'll have to see on that one. And then Bama, the one team that everyone thinks, oh, well, they have a loss. Oregon has a loss. Cincinnati doesn't have a loss. Why isn't Cincinnati in and those two teams are? Because Alabama is good. They are great. And they play Arkansas New Mexico State. They got LSU this week, and their last week is against number 13th Auburn. Number 13th, 13-ranked team in the country. That could be a huge game, too. If Bama drops one of these more, I don't know. I, I just feel like by that point, you have to take them out if Cincinnati goes undefeated. But, hey, I kind of just went against my word. I kind of contradicted myself there. But if they get two losses, one of them is to Auburn. Or even if they lose, I mean, yeah, the Auburn Auburn has a pretty good football team. If they lose one of the others, those other games to an unranked team, then I think they should be out. But hey, I'm not on the selection committee. I don't make the decisions. Everyone can have their own opinions. And if you disagree with me, let me know. Let me know. Tweet at me. Find a way to get in contact with me. Let me know. But for now, that was number four of Cohen's Countdowns, the college football playoff first rankings of the season came out and undefeated Cincinnati's number six and Bama and Oregon who each have one loss are two and four respectively. Coming in at number three on Collins Countdown is the trade that fans all across Buffalo and of a few hand full of teams across the country have been waiting for for what seems like forever but it's finally done and it's only been six months but it feels like forever because that's all anyone talked about on any show related to hockey in Buffalo all summer Jack Eichel is finally gone out of Buffalo he is now a golden knight of a team that lives in Las Vegas he has been traded to the Vegas Golden Knights with a future draft pick in return the Sabres get Alex Tuck who is rehabbing a shoulder surgery that he had a few months ago and he's expected to be back by the end of December Sabres also get Vegas's top prospect Peyton Krebs who many believe going into the draft should have been a top 10 pick he was a top 20 pick instead because he was he had been hurt but he's expected to be very good and they also get a top 10 protected first round pick from the Knights and a second round pick in the future. Sabres retain no salary of Eichel's contract, which is kind of weird considering Vegas's cap is crazy right now. And they're taking on Eichel who's paid $10 million a year, but that's besides the point, I guess. Uh, Buffalo will not get that first round pick from the Knights this year if it is in the top 10 if they get a lottery pick which they are probably not expected to get they're a win now team ever since they've came into the league they've been a let's go we can win a cup this season let's do it let's go get one and so the Sabres will get a first round pick it probably won't be that high if Vegas makes a run but hey they got a first round pick they got Peyton Krebs who is According to Kevin Adams, being sent directly to Rochester, and he will he will be in the line with J.J. Paterka and Jack Quinn. That is a crazy line. I can't wait to get up to Rochester to see a game and see those three dominate because we've already seen Quinn and Paterka 
dominating at the AHL level for the Rochester Americans. Krebs has been somewhat disappointing this year with Vegas, but, I mean, Vegas has been off to a rough start. They've got a lot of injuries. Krebs has been forced probably into situations where he shouldn't be as a young kid. So sending him to Rochester, I think, is a good move. Um, the Sabres aren't a win-now team. They are not. Um, they're a team that's in the middle of a rebuild, if you want to put it that way. A lot of young guys on this roster already. And to put Krebs, who probably is the future, has a chance to be the future face of this franchise, almost, maybe. Bring him up here and ruin his development. We saw that happen with Casey Middlestat. And so far, that hasn't really worked out. So putting Krebs in Rochester, I think, is what's best. But, you know, coming into this season, the Sabres had three guys that maybe didn't want to be here. And obviously, Eichel didn't want to be here. Then you have Rasmus Ristolainen and Sam Reinhart, who they traded uh, before the draft. So I'll read you off what, what we got in return for those three players. So this season, or off, the offseasoning into this season... The Sabres traded away Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, Rasmus Ristolainen, and a third-round pick in the future. In return, they get Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, a first-round pick from Vegas, a first-round pick from Florida, Isaac Rosen, Robert Hag, Devin Levi, a second-round pick from Philly, and a third-round pick from Vegas. You know, I think that's a great return for those three players. Um, it might not be... The Calgary trade for Eichel that we reportedly heard, and now that's, I guess, wasn't even real, then we would get to Chuck. Um, but, you know, it's better than nothing. At this point, I'll take it. Um, Levi or Levy, however you say his name, he's a young prospect goalie. Him and UPL could be our goalies of the future. We don't know what those draft picks, obviously, will turn out to be. Tuck is a 6'4" power forward who can skate like the wind he's a perfect middle six guy for the Sabres team and you know right now we don't need to win we're looking at the future where we have Paterka and Quinn and now Krebs Owen Powers dominating at Michigan point per game guy he'll be back he'll be with the Sabres next year Samuelson Darlene still young Cousins Middlestat Thompson this team is full of young talent and young prospects that in three to four years, this could be a very good hockey team. And, you know, it's all a waiting game, and it sucks that we have to put up with bad teams on the ice and teams that, you know, we're not going to make the playoffs. But, you know, the future is so bright, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm hopeful for. And even now, this team plays hard. They got off to a hot start. They've kind of been... Maybe getting back to their old ways sooner than we all would have wanted because it was so much fun to watch them win games. But they're still a good team to watch. They're still a fun team to watch. They play hard. They get pucks to the net. And, you know, sometimes the bounces don't go their way. But they're a fun team to watch. And when they're good in two, three, four years with all the young talent they have, it'll be even more fun to watch. And it'll be, it'll be so good to have two teams be good in their sport the Bills and the Sabres you know the Bills are getting great they're great now finally and the Sabres are kind of just there just taking up space but imagine in three years Josh Allen hoists 
the Super Bowl trophy for a second time. The Sabres are finally good. They get to the playoffs. Maybe not win a cup. They might not win a cup in the next five years. But they'll get to the playoffs, something we haven't seen in so long. So that'll be so much fun. Having the Bills every Sunday go out there and dominate. Then two or three nights a week having the Sabres go out there and dominate with all the young talent and all the young guys that they have that are so good. I'm expecting the Sabres team to be good in three years. I am. I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a a rush on things. But Cousins will be four years in. Middlestat will be a handful of years in. Thompson, too. And then you have Owen Power will be in his second, third year in the NHL. Krebs will be in his fourth year already. I mean, this team is looking good in the future. And yeah, we had to get this deal done with Eichel. Get him out of Buffalo. He didn't want to be here. The Sabres didn't want him. The trade finally happened. And I am so thankful that I don't have to hear any more potential trades or arguments or anything regarding his surgery. He's out of here. You know, I don't hate him. I don't. He. I think he should have had the right to do with his body what he wanted to do and get whatever surgery he wanted. It is his body after all. But, you know, I'll be rooting for him. If he comes back, he said his goal is to be in the Olympics. If he comes back, of course I'm going to be rooting for Team USA, regardless if he's on the team or not. If he scores a bunch of goals in the Olympics, good for him, good for the United States. If he doesn't, he comes back and helps Vegas go on to win a cup. Good for him. It might not look good, that great for the Sabres, but, you know, good for Jack. Going to live it up in Las Vegas. Good for the Sabres. They got a return that I think is is fair. I don't think they got screwed in the deal. I mean, maybe the Tuchukio, to deal with Calgary that was reportedly reported. <laughs> reportedly reported. The deal that was said to be in the works. Fake or not, I wish we could have gotten it. But, you know... It is what it is. The trade happened. The future looks bright for the Sabres. And the future looks bright for the rest of the show. Stay tuned. That was number three of Cullen's Countdowns. Jack Eichel traded to Las Vegas. Coming in at number two on this this week's episode of Cullen's Countdowns. Now, you may remember it from a couple weeks ago. I had my good friend Matt Shalou on the show, and this was number three. And now they moved up a spot to number two because the Braves of Atlanta did it. They won the World Series over the Houston Astros in six games. I'm not sure if Shalou called it. I can't remember if he called them Braves in six or Braves in seven, but they got it done in six games. They've won their first World Series in 25 years, and I'm so happy for them. So happy. If you're listening, producer Burrs over at Trainwreck, so happy for you. So happy for my good friend, Will Eberhard, huge Braves guy all of a sudden. I mean, recently, in the past few years, not just he hopped on the bandwagon. My dad's a Braves guy. So happy for all those guys. They go out there, they win the World Series. After, you know, <clears throat> it seemed like they weren't going to get there. They lo- We talked about it last week, so I'll keep this short, but they lost their best player, one of the best young guys in baseball, Ronald Acuna, and they went out and made moves and rebuilt their team, and they did it. So Lara wins the MVP of the World Series after a th- three-run bomb that pretty much set the tone for that game six. 
Austin Riley had a great series. That bullpen of theirs with that three-headed monster is insane. It was so good for them. And yes, it's so weird that we watch starting pitching absolutely mean almost close to nothing in the playoffs. But they had good starting pitching when they needed it. And when their bullpen had to come in and finish the job, they were able to. That lineup is so good. And yeah, it's got some big names. But it was somebody different almost every night. Riley one night. Solaire another. Duvall one night. Jock Peterson. Dansby Swanson. Who really hadn't been doing that well at all in the playoffs. Comes through in the World Series. Hits two critical home runs. I mean, come on. You, you just This is why I love sports. You don't see this. Storybook endings. Such a great season for the Braves. And, you know, coming back next year, we'll see who they keep, who they retain. But they're going to get Ronald Acuna back. Imagine that team with Acuna thrown in there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The Braves got the job done. I'm so happy for them. I mean, that city, after what happened last year, blowing that 3-1 NLCS lead to the Dodgers, and then getting back in that situation this year, going up 3-1 against the Dodgers, and finishing them off, and then going to the going to Houston, winning a game there. I mean, this team is full of great players. I didn't even mention Freddie Freeman or Ozzie Albies. Albies. But it's a great team. They didn't have that one guy, like if they had Acuna, that would just steal the whole spotlight. They had a whole group of hardworking guys that went in there, knew the job, took a couple business trips, and won the World Series. First time in 25 years for a team that didn't have one superstar. One guy that everybody points to on that team. I mean, maybe it's Freddie Freeman. But they didn't have that one guy like Jose Altuve or Cody Bellinger or Mookie Betts. They didn't have that. They had a group of guys. They had a team. And they went out and did it and got the job done. And, in you know, it's great to see that still exists in sports where it's not all just super teams I mean yeah maybe this Braves is a super team but they don't have all the superstars that made it happen they had the stars to make it happen and they made it happen they won their first world series in 25 years and for those Braves fan in Buffalo you know what you know what it feels like now I saw Burris he said he hasn't experienced any winning culture and winning a championship in his entire life. And you know, I, I know he didn't hop on the bandwagon. I, I hope people don't hop on the Braves bandwagon and say, Oh, they won the World Series. They're my favorite team now. But come on. People in Buffalo. We've got a Bills team that's so good. And hopefully soon we will taste that championship victory as well. But for you Atlanta Braves fans out there, congratulations. I know it's been 25 long, hard years. You finally got one. Savor that taste of victory. Savor that championship. Because in April it starts all over again. 
and you got another chance to go out there and prove that you're the best team in baseball again. But for now, savor it. Savor it. Eat it up. Congratulations, Atlanta Braves. Congratulations, Solaire. That has been number two on Colin's Countdowns. The Atlanta Braves win their first World Series in 25 years. Now, number one isn't as heartwarming as the Braves winning their first championship in 25 years. And I'm not going to say it deserves to be on this list because there's no place for this in anything. Number one is a story on Henry Ruggs. The second year NFL wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders who made a stupid decision to drive while drunk. He blew a .161 blood alcohol level and he killed a woman. He was driving 156 miles an hour. Seconds before he crashed into somebody. Rear-ended them. When his airbags deployed, he was driving 127 miles an hour. And he killed someone by rear-ending them. His career's done. He's done. He's being charged with a DUI that resulted in a death. Police also responded to when they responded to the scene. They found a loaded gun in his car. He was treating for treated for non-life-threatening injuries. There also was someone in his car with him. Thankfully, they were treated for non-life-threatening injuries. But he killed a woman. It is so sad, so heartbreaking to see this out of a 22-year-old potential star in the NFL his career is over his career is done there's no place for that it's it's different from the Cal Beach story but it's not <clears throat> it's not there's no place for that people look up to you and you go out there and you do this and it sucks that in three episodes man this is my third episode and I've talked about tragedy or disaster within the Las Vegas Raiders organization. And this one is more on one player and not an organization or a group of people. But it's it sucks. It sucks, man. This guy's career is done because he was stupid and decided, yeah, I'm going to drive can drive my car 150 miles plus miles an hour and kill a woman and I know that wasn't intention his intention he obviously didn't think when he got in the car I mean he didn't think at all when he got in the car but he wasn't going into that saying I'm gonna go kill someone no but like I said he wasn't thinking he made a wrong decision he made a terrible decision and he's going to jail for it he's gonna go to jail for it and I want to bring this up, and I brought it up in the John Gruden scandal when I talked about it in, in the first episode. Derek Carr, man. What a leader that guy is. What a leader he is. Coming out and saying he's going to be there for rugs. 
because he needs he needs help too. That's such a great thing to say, and I know he's not just saying it to put on the front. I know he means it because when John Gruden that stuff happened, he said the same thing. Hate the sin. Don't hate the sinner. That's such a great line. Hate the sin, don't hate the sinner. You can't hate someone, okay? You can't hate someone for something they did. You hate the sin. Now the victim's family released their statement after the car crash. They said, Tina's tragic loss has devastated her family beyond a grief that they could never... Ooh, let me restart that. Tina's tragic loss has devastated her family beyond a grief they could ever comprehend. Family was everything to Tina, and she was the light of her parents' lives. Tina lived in Las Vegas since she was a baby. She loved her three-year-old golden retriever, Max, who passed alongside her Tuesday morning. The family also asked for privacy, and they said they would make no other statements at this time. Rugs just destroyed a family. They are heartbroken. How do they move on with their lives? It's going to be so hard for them, and I can't imagine the pain they're going through. But it takes a lot of courage to go up and make a statement and not bash rugs. We shouldn't be bashing him. Yes, it sucks. It's a situation that we wish we never had to see, never have to go through. But he made a bad decision and he's going to suffer for it. Not nearly as much as that fam- as Tina's family is going to suffer. But it sucks. And I commend them for coming out and not attacking rugs or saying anything negative towards him. They just want to remember the life of their girl. And that's all they can do is remember that life and cherish it. And it know, as a word of advice to anyone out there, cherish those moments with the ones you love. Say I love you. Give them hugs. Give them kisses. Because you never know when the last time you're going to see them is going to be. For Henry Ruggs, man, I'm praying for you. I'm hating the sin. I'm not hating the sinner. All right? Keep Ruggs in your prayers. Keep the family of Tina in your prayers. Hate the sin. Don't hate the sinner. All right? It's a tragic story, one that I wish I really didn't have to talk about on this list. But it's newsworthy. It has to be talked about. Remember going forward, I've said it so many times, and I love what Derek Carr said, hate the sin, don't hate the sinner. That has been number one on Cullen's Countdown this week, the Henry Ruggs story in which he tragically killed Tina O'Tinter while driving 100 miles an hour plus and rear-ended her. For all of you who have made it this far, I thank you so much for listening to episode 3 of Colin's Countdowns. You know, I had two stories this week that I didn't want to talk about, but I had to. And you know, they're, they're tragic, they're heartbreaking. And it sucks that things happen like that, but they do. And you know, at some point we have to talk about them. It sucks. But just a quick recap. Number 5 was a tragic story of Kyle Beach and the Chicago Blackhawks. Number four 
was the college football playoff and my thoughts on Cincinnati not making it so far right now. Number three was the Jack Eichel trade that finally happened. Thank you, Buffalo Sabres, for finally making that happen so we don't have to hear about it anymore. Number two, the Atlanta Braves win their first World Series in 25 years. And number one, the tragic and heartbreaking story surrounding Henry Ruggs. It sucks that I had to talk about those two things, but the three, you know, look at it this way. The three, I talked about three great things. I talked about two bad things that I wish I never had to talk about, but things like that are going to happen and I'm going to have to talk about them. For all of you in, who endured all this, this episode, I thank you so much for listening and I hope you stay tuned because coming soon is episode four of Cohen's Countdowns and I'm sure there's going to be a lot to talk about. For now, I'm your host, Cohen Tong, and this has been episode three of Collins Countdowns.